Blog Talk Radio. Blog Talk Radio. Live from Los Angeles, the win without competing show with Dr. Arlene Barrow, host and creator of the Right Fit Method, the key to professional and personal success. Now, let's join Dr. Arlene. Thank you, Virgil. This is a special edition of Win Without Competing, in which I interview a select group of leaders on the move. The goal is to peek behind the person's accomplishments and create a snapshot of their essence. My guest today is Stephen Snyder, a financial solutions professional with an MBA in business processes who lived and worked in Norway and Egypt. Welcome, Steve, to Win Without Competing. Thank you, Dr. Arlene, for inviting me to be on the program. It's my pleasure. Tell us, where did you grow up and what did your parents do? I grew up in uh, several small towns in Kansas, uh, agriculture communities, all very small. Um, and uh, the values of, the, of that era has really impacted my life. What did your parents do for a living? I know your dad had an interesting mixture in his career. Uh, yes. Dad uh, started out as a music director and then uh, later on became a full-time high school guidance counselor. Actually, with a small town, he was a counselor for the whole school system. And uh, my mother was a stay-at-home mom for several years, but as us kids uh, got into our junior high years, she also became a uh, in, a, in education and became a student, uh, a teacher aide to students. But your dad did something else. He was musically talented, correct? Yes, very much so. He loved music. But he also did something with the music in terms of his profession, correct? Well, well yes. He was. He was. Uh, he, he, well, let me back up. He was. He was. Uh, he grew up as an only child, so he really wanted to uh, be with children and impact their lives and help them grow. So as a music director, he had the one-on-one relationship with them, uh, but he's also networked with universities around Kansas and outside Kansas and uh, was able to take uh, his band members in, onto the university situation and, and interact with uh, university students and professors and so forth. So via his music, his love for music, he made an impact on his students in that way. What kind of values did your parents instill in you as a child? Um, strong values of self, self-worth, self uh, of keeping your word, of knowing what you were going to do, and then, and then do it. Uh, be open out and you know, do what you can to impact the lives around you. you we, we, we don't live in, a, in our own little world. We live in a world with many other people. So get along and and take care of them and take care of yourself. It sounds like your dad taught you as a child to be a member of a team. I know you had two brothers. Yes, uh, two brothers and and, uh, a sister as as well. Um, Yes, uh, 
Dad was very good at, at networking, again, in the university environment, but with other band directors in the area, and, and he actually was a, a leader in, in the music community within Kansas. And as, as a guidance counselor, he then uh, became a leader in introducing computers into the school systems. And even though he was a counselor of a very small school, it actually was one of the leaders in the state in bringing computers into the system and getting students online. Did you work with computers as a child? Um, not so much. That computers really came after I got out of high school. Uh, the Navy had them somewhat, but really my first use of computers was after joining uh, Amico after college. When we spoke prior to the show, you told me that you were an avid reader who liked sports. You mm-hmm. also spent a lot of time building model railroads. Yeah. How did that come about? Th- that That is an interesting story. Uh, my mom and dad uh, received a wedding gift uh, upon their marriage of an HO scale model engine, uh, which is kind of a unique gift for a wedding. Uh, nevertheless, as each one of us boys turned eight years old, uh, dad bought uh, a starter a model railroad kit and integrated it with his own. Um, so one, actually, one of my fond memories in, in that regard is is on Sunday afternoons uh, going to an outbuilding behind the house that was heated, and we would build these big, you know, railroad model railroad uh, layouts. We'd we'd spend you know two or three weekends building this thing, and then we'd run the trains for a while, and then we'd we'd tear it down and build something better and bigger. It sounds like he taught you at an early age to step set the standard higher and higher, raise the bar higher and higher. Oh, very much. Both with the railroads, again, let's, hey, let's tear down and make it bigger. Let's make a bigger mountain or more streams or whatever. But I saw that in his job as well as a, as a band director, always striving for his band to be you know number one when we go to state musical festivals, to, to be number one. Uh, to be a leader, to do some things different. Um, so that that per- pervaded his career, his attitude, and that you know that frankly rubbed off on us as well. Well, I think when you decided to build your own house, <laughs> and your grandfather didn't really think this was the right fit for you, you decided to show him that you could do it. Am I correct? Uh, yeah, that that is correct. Uh, Grandpa actually was, as all of my grandparents and parents, were very supportive of trying new things and, and helping us to be successful. Uh, but, but building a house, that was, that was kind of a far stretch for my, my grandfather, and, who, was, who was a career plumber. So he had a real insight into what it takes to build. Uh, but, but frankly, I, I took that as a challenge, knowing that ultimately he would help me, which, which he did. And uh, indeed, um, I, I contracted out for the things I couldn't do, like build, put the foundation down. Uh, but after that, I did the plumbing, wiring, you know, walls, sheetrock. I did the whole thing, and uh, and I was motivated. Where to to do that? In, in that, I was in college at the time and not real happy with the living situation. I was married with a, with a child, and things just needed to be better. And uh, the that was an opportunity, and I took it. How did you feel when you looked at the house and said, "I did it"? Oh, is is great. Uh, I, 
my first experience with building was with my dad. Uh, we had a growing family and, and uh, needed more bedrooms, so he just same same thing. He said, I need this, I'm going to do it, and we built three bedrooms and a family room in, in the basement. And that was a good feeling of accomplishment, which, which I then took forward. So when I built my house, you know, when the carpeting finally went down, and I said, I'm done. It was great. That was, it was a long project, pretty complex, but I did it. It was done, and I sat back and enjoyed it. I think that you feel that same pride in a work environment in which you meticulously get a project done and then say, I've done it, it's done. Oh, very much so. I, I, I like being able to see my impact on the organization. And even in a large organization, you, you can see your impact. Um, you know, you heard this thing, you know, small fish in a big pond and, and so forth, but I, I don't necessarily believe in that. In your sphere of influ- influence, you can make a significant impact. I agree with you. You mentioned the Navy earlier. Tell us why did you join the Navy and why submarines? <laughs> submarines. Uh yeah. The the the, the Navy was, was was really a logical decision uh, coming out of high school. My my parents as mentioned were school teachers and and uh there just wasn't a lot of money for 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 college and and uh, the Navy at that time had a real good program of uh, in, the, in the nuclear power program of uh, two years of schooling and four years of, of active duty, after which my plan was to join the civilian power industry. Uh, that would be a very plausible career for opportunities for advancements and challenges and so forth. However, <laughs> as, as uh, plans happen, uh, the 1973-74 Three Mile Island incident pretty much killed nuclear power in, in the U.S. Uh, but I was in the military at that time, and so I, I had to make other plans, which I did. Now, um, submarines, the, that, was, that was a different decision. Uh, the, the, sort of number one on, on that is um, submarines don't get a lot of no, notoriety, uh, but they actually are the first... Uh, insertion of force by by the by the government into trouble areas and submarines go in clean it out make sure that that the situation is safe for the public show of power to show up that is aircraft carriers and all their support uh, ships so so I like being out in the front of things and then second the culture of submarines is is different than the standard military of of uh, what you see in the military, and so um, I'm sorry, in the movies and so forth, of, of saluting and high deference to officers and so forth. Um, but in the submarines, it's very much a team atmosphere. Uh, the officers and, and enlisted together are responsible for making sure the goal of the mission is achieved, and, and they and, and they learn to work together in a, in a very cohesive fashion. And that was a very attractive to me as well. But then one day, what did you see in the water unexpectedly? <laughs> Torpedoes in the water. Uh, that that actually is a is a, is an, uh, an announcement over the PA system that you do not want to hear if you're if you have not been shooting torpedoes. So, torpedo in the water that that gets. Uh, uh, that gets your attention in, in real fast, and uh, and certainly you have ac- actions you need to take care of. Uh, so you hear those words and, and you, you jump into action for what you've been trained to do. It's very interesting.
interesting. You never apparently exhibit fear. You seem to be in charge of yourself. Would that be an apt description? Um, very much so. Um, the we, we spend, as a submarine crew, and, and individually, of course, as well, a lot of time in training, uh, both for emergency situations, but training to know your your equipment, to know the people with whom you are working, and to know the processes, not all of yourself, but, but theirs as well. As a result of that, you, you come to trust the people with whom you're working, that they're going to do your job, that they're going to do their job, and they, and they know you're going to do your job. So in that environment, you don't need to be afraid and you don't need to panic and, and, and run, uh, but rather uh, you take stock of the situation and you react according to how you've been trained and according to how you've been, according to how you uh, think. So you, you don't need to, to run around, you know, with a, you know, like a chicken with his head cut off, so to speak, but you can take care of your business. You are passionate about business processes and an expert in that area as well. Why did you pursue that arena? That was, I think, heavily influenced by my time in the in the Navy. In in that on submarines, um, you have to know every system, how it reacts, even if it's not a system associated with your specific job. But you have to know how that system interacts with your system. You have to know how the people in another department interact with the people in your own department. And the failure of that resulted in, in frankly, in people dying and in, in, in systems failing and so forth. Um, so I, I took that forward. And granted, in a, in a business world, perhaps the, the, the effects of failure are not so dramatic, um, but but they are dramatic in, in that a failure of a system can cause a cause a company to fail and fail uh, in in a very public and big way. So I, I like understanding how things work, how people interact, and uh, and there's always room for improvement. Here's what others say about you, Steve. Snyder's ability to assess and develop solutions for large complex projects makes him invaluable to the business change side of the team. Snyder did a fantastic job of explaining not only what controls and procedures we had in place, but also the processes that we were working on. Do you think that that's an apt description of you? Oh, very very much. Um I, I, I take pride in knowing how the business actually works. Um, you know, every organization has its written procedures, uh, but those procedures often don't take into account how the people actually execute un, under those procedures. So I, I like to know what, what's really going on, and, and then figuring out, you know, from the human side, how can we how can we improve things. Uh, an example of that is is uh, when when I I was a controller of the chemicals trading team, and we moved into the trading arm of BP. And I spent a lot of time working with the with the uh, the support teams to understand our business and how we interrelated. And the result of that was, after the second year, um, I, I was it was noted that I had the best front to back integration 
uh, in the whole organization. And, and that, that that made me feel very good because that allowed us to work without a lot of uh, errors and disputes. We just we got things done, and we got it done right the first time. You have demonstrated your talents in the global energy industry. Select one accomplishment of which you are particularly proud. Um, again, inside this trading organization, we we you know one of the primary purposes is the buying and selling of crude oil. Uh, there was one process that we had that there was mostly an internal process, but it involved uh, three legal entities operating on two major uh, accounting platforms using, I don't know, five or six different uh, background IT systems to, to capture deals and process them and so forth. Uh, very labor-intensive, and, and, and frankly, a lot of non-value-added steps were involved. Uh, but taking a look at that uh, over uh, about three, four months period, I got it all put onto one financial system, um, one uh, legal entity, and and uh, I allowed IT to to actually you know, move all these five or six different legacy systems into retirement, and that saved a couple million bucks right there. Plus. Uh, allowing people to be redeployed into more, you know, value-adding type activities. So that, that was that was a big one for me. I keep hearing your passion. <laughs> I, I passion is what makes things happen. You know, with, with I agree passion, with you. With passion, you're motivated. You move. You There's make no question. Yeah. It propels you to success. It's your career fuel, without a doubt. Absolutely. When you were with BP formerly known as British Petroleum, you were sent to Egypt. Mm -hmm. You had an array of responsibilities. What was it like to assume the responsibilities of the deputy finance manager who was also the secretary of the board of directors for the Gulf of Suez Petroleum Company known as GUPCO? That that was a great experience, actually. Uh, the assuming those duties and responsibilities happened fairly frequently, um, but it, it was it was really good. I I view my time in Egypt with uh, I have a lot of fond memories of that. Um, now a lot of people may not have heard of GUPCO. It, it's a joint venture between the government of Egypt and BP. Uh, it's been around for I with close to forty years at this point. Um, but since it is a JV, it, re- it really doesn't make the news in and of itself, as each of the partners re- you know, report everything as their own numbers. Uh, but GEPCO would have been a Fortune 500, 500 company in and of itself, uh, had revenues around $3 billion, uh, return on capital employed of around 45%, which that's a significant number in any company. Uh, board of directors was uh, three each from the government and, and from BP, and what made made that secretary of the board job interesting was watching the the partners interact. Uh, literally, they, the the three people from the government and the three people from BP sat across from the table from each other rather than acting as one one group. So there were some some differences that had some real interesting discussions to to resolve. So that was that was a learning experience, which which I've taken into. Uh, into myself in in um, 
valuing the the different cultures that that you can run into, and that there's there there's a lot to learn from everybody, and so value everybody. What about the level of responsibility? Because it was, after all, high level when you had to assume the responsibilities of the deputy finance manager and so on. Oh, yes, very much. Uh, In the finance department, there were 107 employees, uh, two of which were BP. The the, the rest were all uh, employees of the government. And, of course, their job was to keep the government happy, and, and our job was to be BP's face into this joint venture. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, with with that, um, as mentioned, the deputy finance manager and myself, we were the financial face from, of BP in, into the joint venture, and frankly, we controlled the money. Uh, each disbursement required uh, two signatures, of course. Um, well, well, let me let me tell you a story to demonstrate this. When when my replacement came in to, to BP the first day there he says you know what, what's your financial authority here and I said it's unlimited and he just laughed and he said I'm not really, yeah right you know well three days later he asked me the same question we had the same short conversation his last or rather my last day there he said no really really what what's your authority here and I said truly it, it's unlimited you are the face of BP so as long as the documentation is correct you can sign anything you want well, I don't rephrase that. You can sign anything that's properly documented. So that so that meant that meant that you were in that position. Am I correct? When the deputy finance manager was not available, even when he was around, we we both had the authority. We both had unlimited financial authority to approve payments, financial transfers, and and so forth. We we were the financial face into the joint venture. Amazing. It's it's a unique environment. What is your next career step? I I, I desire a a high-level financial position in a growing and dynamic organization. Now, I mentioned growing and dynamic, and my preference for such an organization is to use my skills and experience to grow the business and to overcome the challenges that come with growth. And and I think my my skills and experience uh, have made me the right fit for a senior position to lead a business to success. Do you feel that you must stay in the global energy industry or are you open to looking at other opportunities and transferring your skills to other industries? I I, I believe strongly my skills are are applicable to pretty much to to most industries. Um, Every every company every industry has processes that that are, are in need of refinement of becoming more effective or more efficient so in that regard yes my skills and experience can be transferred uh staying in the oil and gas arena would 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 be great i do know that very well uh but but moving that into manufacturing construction healthcare or you know even into the financial world uh that that fits very well that fits very well i believe Steve, it's been a pleasure interviewing you today. Thank you for joining me. I wish you continued career success. Well, thank you for this time. It was a pleasure visiting. To listen live to my ongoing radio show, Win Without Competing, as well as more than 50 podcasts, including interviews of high-profile people, 
visit drbarrow.com. That's D-R-B-A-R-R-O dot com. Click on the title of the show description that interests you. To learn about my book, Win Without Competing, nominated for a Business Book Award, visit winwithoutcompeting.com. To buy the book online, go to Amazon, Borders, and Barnes & Noble. For an overview of all the ways you can learn about my Right Fit Method, the subject of my book, visit Dr. Arlene rightfitmethod.com Dr. Arlene is spelled out D-O-C-T-O-R-A-R-L-E-N-E then directly right after that with no spaces rightfitmethod.com To contact me directly call 310-441-5300 Zero five. That's three ten four four one five three zero five, or email d r b a r r o. That's Dr. Barrow at winwithoutcompeting dot com. Thank you for listening to this special edition of Win Without Competing. Goodbye for now, Dr. Arlene. Thank <laughs> you.